Okay, well, I'm Travis. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, it's good to be here. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been here uh, uh, just a couple times, and uh, one time with Steve not not too long ago. But anyhow, um, you know, my story is, uh, you know, like y'all, it's just there's a reason I'm in here. I need to be in here, you know. And, um, I, you know, I can go into a lot of drama. I had a... You know, I'll give you just a little bit of background on me. Um, my dad left. My dad's an alcoholic. My dad left uh, when I was really young, you know, and uh, and it was painful. Um, and deep down, I, there was a there was a part of me that hated him, but there was a part of me that wanted to be like him, you know. Um, uh, he, you know, he just, uh, he got to a point in his life, I always say, you know, he got to a point in his life, I guess he just decided he didn't want to be a dad or a husband anymore, you know, it's just like he was ready to move on, you know, and, uh, and I never, I, I, I never wanted to be like that. Um, uh, when he left, we, uh, we were pretty poor, you know, my mom just, you know, my mom always took care of him, and so when he just took off, mom didn't work or anything. And, uh, you know, I remember being evicted. I remember, you know, as we, in respect to my mom, I, you know, um, I, you know, she always took care of us. So I, you know, I like to, I try to be careful with uh, how we lived. But, you know, I know we stayed with a lot of friends and we stayed with, you know, cousins and stuff like that sometimes, you know. Um, and while mom was going to school and mom uh, went to school and, and uh, she became a truck driver. And so, you know, my dad left when I was five. My mama was a truck driver, and I had a dog, so I thought I'd move to Austin and sing country music. <laughs> so, no. so anyway, I, uh, I, I grew up actually in California. I was in California when, uh, when all this was going on. And, uh, you know, I always thought the problems in my life was I just, if, if, if I only had enough money, if I, if, if I had money or if I had this or if I had that, the only reason life was so difficult for me is because everybody on the other side of the street has it better than I do. Nobody knows what's going on with me. My life is different than everybody else. And, uh, and you know, I thought that if I could just be rich, That'll solve my problems. Now, I didn't see my dad very much. My dad didn't completely, like, disappear. He just kind of went off and did his own thing, and occasionally he'd come around. I might see him, you know, once a year. Sometimes I wouldn't see him for a couple years. But one thing about my mom, my mother, she, my mother never said anything bad about my dad. You know, she just always said what he, he was good, a good guy, and Dad just had to go do. She was, she was very codependent, <laughs> you, know, you know. There was nothing bad about what he was doing, and she just dealt with it and all this. And so, but I remember, um, I remember I was about 13 years old, and uh, that's 14. And uh, I went to go stay with him in Bakersfield. And, uh, and it's one time I remember my dad getting really upset with me. And the reason he got upset with me was because I drank the last beer in the fridge. Now, you'd think at 14, dad was going to be upset because his son was drinking beer. 
You know, dad didn't care that his son drank beer. Dad was upset because his son drank his last beer. You know, and he's like, I don't care how much beer you drink, but you make sure I've got three beers when I get home. You know, this is just kind of the, 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 the insanity that was going on in my life. And, and quite frankly, I did not see it as insanity. I just thought that's just how life was, you know, that this is. So, so in, a, in an odd way, you know, dad got married very young. And so next thing you know, I find myself at 18, it's time to, to get married and become a man and, and, uh, and start making money and, and, and be this rich guy, you know, and solve all my problems. And so, um, and all along, I, 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 you know, I'm drinking, I'm, I'm, I'm partying, right? I'm just a partier, you know? I was the partier in high school and all this stuff. <laughs> and so I was, uh, so I, you know, I get married at 18. I, I moved to Northern California and I get into, uh, I was working at like this shipping and receiving thing. And, you know, everything I did, I always tried to be the best at. You know, I just felt like I got to, I, I, I look back on it now, and I just know that I was so miserable with myself that I had to be good at something. And I, so I was so miserable that I thought I had to be good at everything, right? And I was never satisfied with anything I did, you know. And uh, anyway, I, I worked hard. And sure enough, one, one, I don't, you know, I look back on it and I just say, you know, God somehow had a plan in all this. And, um, you know, I ended up uh, at this company and I ended up working for this, this team and I got into sales and, uh, and we cracked a big old account, a uh, very large uh, company. And uh, I was a sales guy. I was like 22, 23 years old. So next thing you know, I'm making you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I'm traveling all over the world. And man, I am a mess. I've got three kids now, and I'm uh, and I'm so full of myself. Like I just think I'm just, you know, I'm this young rich guy. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I'm everything that I, I wanted to be because I wanted to be something. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking these things because I look that way. But inside, I hated myself. I drank so much. I drank all the time. I was always drunk. But I, I, but I never, I, I never, like, uh, I always, I was like... Uh, I managed it, right? Like when I was at the office, I was okay. But, you know, I was in sales in a time when, you know, everybody drank in business. It was like, you know, you'd go out on these business deals and everybody would party. And, and so that's what I did, you know, and I justified it. I was always justifying it. And my wife, uh, she, she got tired of it, and rightfully so. We had three kids. You know, I was never home. And when I was not traveling, I was home, but I was at the bars, you know. And she said, you know, if you don't quit drinking, I'm going to leave you. I'm done. And, uh, and here's the thing. I didn't want to be like my dad, right? You see, my dad had three kids. And at this time, I now had three kids. And there was no way I was going to... Uh, 
be like my dad and be divorced and, 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 and be away and not, not be with my kids. Now, this is, this is in my mind, right? So I'm going to stop drinking. So I stopped, and I stopped for about uh, close to nine months, and I was so miserable. I was so miserable. And, uh, and then what happened was this. I started going back to the old places. And I'd go back to uh, this, this, I used to love to go to this country bar. And I'd go back to this country bar, and, uh, but I wouldn't drink. I'd drink cranberry juice. And I thought it was so cool, like going to this bar and, you know, in my suit and going, oh, I'll have a uh, cranberry juice, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, because you see, everything was about me, man. I just, I had to be different. I had to be special. And then I kind of graduated up to cranberry juice with a splash, a little 7-Up. Right. So uh, cranberry juice with a splash, you know. And now some of the guys that are working with me and for me and stuff, they're coming in and going, hey, that was cranberry juice with a splash. So now I'm really feeling like I'm cool because I got a couple guys that are drinking cranberry juice too because I've been selling this. Right? Like I've, been, I've been like, yeah, you don't have to drink, man. You know, you can just have cranberry juice and be cool like me. And, um, you know, I mean, this is, you know, it's just like this is insane. Sanity. And so, um, so I was doing that. And then I went to old duels. And so now, you know, the pattern's starting to change. The pattern's changing. And now I'm playing darts at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, drinking old duels. You see the old behavior. And, you know, and I got that music going, and I'm shooting those darts, and I'm talking the same smack, but I'm not drinking. And one night, I must have had like 12 or 14 old duels. <laughs> it's like 1.30, and I'm still playing darts. And somebody goes, you know what, dude? You sure have drinking a lot of O'Doul's. I said, yeah. They said, you know that has alcohol in it. And I said, no. They said, yeah. So I look, and there's 0.5% alcohol in O'Doul's. Now, you would think that this alcoholic would freak out and say, oh, my God, I didn't know that. But no, 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 no. He said, I was a numbers guy. I calculated out, I go, okay, 0.5%. Well, beer has like, you know, 8%. So I'm calc. So, man, you know what? Actually, I've now drank two beers. <laughs> and I feel fine. Let me tell you something. This is the disease of Alcoholics Anonymous cunning, baffling, powerful. It will kick your butt. And so here I am, man, I don't even know what's going on. I don't realize the game that my disease is playing with me. I don't even get it. I just don't get it. And so I go, well, man, that's kind of, that's kind of a trip. I didn't realize that. And just think about this, like I'm a money guy. I'm like going, wow, you know. In fact, 
this is like 12 beers and it costs the same as a Heineken. <laughs> you know, I could have saved a lot of money, right? Not thinking, oh, I'm not going to drink that much, but you know what, I could have just, I could have had two beers and an extra 20 bucks in my pocket. You see the insanity. So I go home and I'm thinking about this. Now I didn't, I didn't drink that night. <laughs> but all of a sudden, man, the disease is in full swing. <clears throat> and then I get in this little argument because you know, here it is, I'm coming home at 1.30 in the morning. She's like, you smell like beer. No, I don't, it's O'Doul's. I don't drink. <laughs> I don't drink. But I'll tell you right now, this is what I told her. This is the insanity. I said, but I'm more miserable now than I was when I was drinking. So the problem was never the alcohol. The problem is you. Oh, shit. Ooh. Oh, shit. That did not go over very well. <laughs> You know, I just, I, 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 uh, when I say that, it always, it, it really hurts me to say, to think that I said that. But that's where I was. You see, I wanted to justify my behavior. I can't believe that I talked to the, to the, uh, the mother of my children. This lady was so, so wonderful the way that I talked to her, to, to just justify my behavior. You see, that's what it was all about. It wasn't that I didn't care for her. It wasn't that I didn't want to be a good husband. It wasn't that I didn't want to be a good father. It was that I was an alcoholic that justified his actions because he didn't want to stop drinking, even though I didn't know it. So we did not, that conversation did not go very well. Um, she ended up uh, leaving, and, and things happened, you know, and I was, I was gone a lot. We split up. But in that process, in that time frame, I went from O'Doul's to Heineken to Scotch to just the same old way of life. So when I'm sitting there and I was thinking, I was looking at this, there's a passage in the, in the big book. And I'm thinking, I wasn't drinking. You know, why was, why was I so miserable? You know, and um, it says in the big book, page, uh, one of these pages, <laughs> let me get my glasses on. Um, 133, it says, um, God, but it is clear that we made our own misery, right? It says, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, that though it once was just that for many of us, but it is clear that we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Avoid then the deliberate manufacturer of misery, right? I was manufacturing my own misery. 
And you know, and I thought if I could just make enough money, if I just was rich enough, all that misery would be gone. Wouldn't I be happy? I was miserable. I was suicidal. I hated my life. And uh, I started drinking and I started working harder because now I'm, 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 uh, I'm single and I'm living in this little apartment and I'm not hanging out with a lot of people. I'm just working more. And life is getting smaller and smaller and I'm just getting more and more miserable. But I just try to make more money and next thing you know, I'm this uh, very successful, lonely drunk. <laughs> really. That's where it led. And so one night I, I just got done closing this big contract and I was, uh, I was up in Oregon and I flew back and uh, it was on April Fool's Day. And I went out that night and uh, with the president and the CEO of the company and I was just telling them about this great deal that I did and how we're all gonna be rich and you know, and, and me, me, me. You know, I, I really believe that I, I, I didn't really call them there to talk to them about the deal. I really called them there to tell them how wonderful I was, you know, because that's what it was all about. I wanted you to, I, I just wanted you, I wanted somebody to say I was, I was okay. I was a good guy. So badly I wanted that. And uh, that night I got drunk and I was driving home. And it was on April Fool's Day, and I, and, I, and I remember feeling like, wow, something just happened. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I just felt like something kind of happened. But I went home, and, you know, I'm sitting there, and it's late, and all of a sudden I got people waking me up. And I was like, whoa, what's this? And I got the police inside my apartment. And they're cussing and yelling at me, and they're handcuffing me, and they're yanking on me, and I'm cussing and yelling at them. And I'm thinking that, you know, one of my big wig friends is playing some kind of April Fool's joke on me, and, and, uh, and it's not funny, so I'm cussing at them and telling them to get out of here. And, and then the one guy was doing something, and he was looking through my room and all this, and then the other guy, and I'm just, man, I'll tell you, this guy... Uh, I, I just believe I'm going to see this guy in heaven someday. This kid, this guy was young, and he just had these eyes that were so, that was just this look. He looked at me with this deep look like, dude, we are not kidding. And I believed him, man. I knew. He said, we think you hit somebody on a bike, and you better hope he lives. So the only thing I said when I got uh, into that uh, into that car is I said my life will never be the same, you know. And uh, they took those words and they wrote those words because for the next nine months my case would be fought. 
Because what happened is, right as I was pulling into the jail, they came on the dispatcher, came on the radio, and said that the man that I hit died. And so I was like, man, my life won't be the same. And they write that down, and they keep going on and on about how he said his life will never be the same. He, he, he admitted, he knows, you know, and, and everybody, I, I mean, it's, what happened, happened. But, you know, the, the lawyers get involved, and everybody's doing stuff, and, and they wanted to, this was where Mothers Against Drunk Drivers started in Santa Clara County, and, boy, they wanted to hang me. Rightfully so. It was not good. And, uh, you know, uh, they wanted to give me 25 years to life. And uh, we ended up uh, working a deal. I got six years and went to San Quentin. I lost everything. I lost everything. In the process, I found AA. And I found something that just changed all the rules of my life. I realized that, you know, before I wasn't drinking and I was still miserable. What I wasn't doing was I wasn't living a life of powerless. I wasn't being powerless. You see, I just wasn't drinking. I was, in, I was you know, doing it my way. I was trying to be in control. I was, it was still all self-centered. It was still all about me. There was no God in the picture. There was no God at all. And um, I was still in charge. Now I look back and there's a very significant statement. And that one statement was my life will never be the same. And I believe that my higher power heard that statement. I do believe this. I believe God heard that statement. And I believe God is like, yes, you're right. Your life will never be the same because I'm going to make it better than it ever was. Because we're going to get rid of all that crap that you think is important. And I lost everything. I got sued. I lost everything. But I gained a faith and a trust that could only come through this brokenness. I don't know how. I don't know the whole process. I know one thing. They used to tell me, well, you can't do your fourth step in prison because you can't put all that out there. I did. I didn't care. You see, my slate was clean, man. I was like, what? I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live before this happened. Why would I want to live now? I was so done. And a great sponsor, he came out. He drove probably six hours to come do my four-step. I started inch by inch. I couldn't even think one day at a time. I just got through moment by moment. I got involved in AA. I went to AA. You see, I was, I was, uh, I was out nine months while my 
case was being fought and the figuring out how long I was going to get and all that. And, uh, man, I found AA. It was different. It was very different. You see, what happened, what was so different? I was broken. You know, you, you talk about hitting bottom. That's a hard one for me to kind of describe because everybody has a kind of a different whatever, bottom or whatever. I was broken, man. I was so broken. Now, this happened 21 years ago. That was my last drink. This is my last drink. I hadn't drank since. But I'll tell you, when I came in to Alcoholics Anonymous, I came in here completely broken, and I just wanted to stop drinking and make the judge give me a little bit of grace. I had no idea that my life would change. When I came into Alcoholics Anonymous, I never thought my life could get so horrible. I, did. I couldn't believe what had happened to me. I couldn't believe I was divorced. I couldn't believe that I was just like my dad. I couldn't believe that I'd lost my job. I couldn't believe that I had killed somebody. And I couldn't believe I was going into prison. Because I spent so many years trying to be the best of everything that I ever did, even though I failed. I hated myself and didn't even know it. And I remember doing the steps. I remember my, uh, my sponsor, God bless him. He said, he, <laughs> oh, I was a mess. <laughs> I still am. But anyway, he, uh, he said, uh, he did, I did my four-step, and I had my, the principal on there. Or, no, Mr., Mr. Long, yeah, the principal. And he said, uh, he says, why is Mr. Long on here? I said, because Mr. Long made me stand up in front of the whole school. I was the president of the school, and I had to stand up in front of everybody and, and, and step down. And it was so embarrassing, and he made me announce it, and I had to, I had to stop. And, and here he is. This is 30-some years old. Okay, this is elementary school, okay? <laughs> I, yeah, so I'm not like, you know, I didn't make it to the president of my high school. Or <laughs> this, this, this is, okay, preschool. No, no. <laughs> no, so, so it's elementary. It doesn't matter. But anyway, so here's the thing. Here's the wild thing. He says, well, why? He goes, so what was your part? I said, well, you know, I said, that guy, he said, well, why'd he do that? I said, well, I fought a lot. He goes, what do you mean you fought a lot? I said, man, I used to beat everybody up. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Long told me that if I got in one more fight, I couldn't be president of the school. He's like, dude, you can't be president of the school and beating everybody up. Now, I see nothing wrong with this because I'm thinking, whatever, right? But I'm like, okay, I won't. I get it. Next day, I'll just say Paul. I mean, I remember his whole name. I remember his age comes around the corner and he said something. 
and I beat him. I hit him. <laughs> teachers are in the middle. Same scene. Another scene. Here come the teachers. Oh, must be Travis. Yeah. <laughs> he says, dude, so do you think Mr. Long was wrong? I said, well, you know, it just, I just comes to mind. It really hurt. It really, you know, and I, I got a big resentment against that guy. I said, I'm just writing this stuff down, man, you know. <laughs> Telling me to do this, don't, don't start now getting into all the, the stuff and why I'm doing it. I just told you I did it, right? He's like, no, no, dude, why'd you do it? Why were you fighting? I said, because nobody liked me. You know, I had a speech impediment. I couldn't say my R's. People used to make fun of me. And my dad, I didn't have a dad. He said, really, nobody liked you? I said, no. He said, weren't you the president of the school? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I get chills. He said, who didn't like who? I said, dude, apparently the people liked you. Well, you know what? I carried that attitude for the next 25 years of my life. I never thought anybody liked me. I was never good enough. I never achieved enough. I never made enough. It's because I was miserable and I had no idea what acceptance was. I had no idea. You know, when I started to peel away and started to do the steps, what started happening in my life is I started not, it wasn't so much that I was learning what, uh, I was learning like all these new things. I was learning, I was getting this, this stuff that was separating me from God out of the way. I was becoming less self-centered and more God-centered. You see, what I, I, I'll say this, and I do not believe, I do not believe these steps are what keep me sober. I don't. I don't think it's the steps alone. I think the reason the steps keep me sober is because they bring me into a closer relationship with God who keeps me sober. You see, if I do the steps and continue to live in this self-centered power state of mind, I'm hosed. Because it becomes about me again. But when I do the steps and I humbly come before God and say, God, why am I still doing that? Things start changing. I love AA. You know, I, I, I love the fact, you know, there's something else. I'll tell you what, you know, my life, when I first came to AA, I wanted to, I wanted to be here because I wanted my life to get manageable. And I thought if I just did the steps, then my life would be manageable. Well, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you, after 21 years, my life is still unmanageable. And I am okay, because I'll tell you what, if my life wasn't unmanageable, I wouldn't be going to Alcoholics Anonymous all the time, you know? It's like I would be going to clubs, I'd be going doing things that, but you know what, I'm okay with that. 
because I know it's a better route. There's, that's where the joy and the free and the happy comes. I'm happy and joyous and free because I continue to work steps, I continue to go to meetings, and I continue to work on a spiritual growth, on my spiritual growth. You know, um, I was looking at uh, this, uh, I love this book. It says in uh, page 85, It says, we are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And I'm telling you, if you're new here and there's, there is only one thing you remember in this book, remember that. Your spiritual condition is everything. It just is. You know, I can be, I, I, and, and it is for me, and, you know, I like to think, I mean, I, I never thought the day would come that I'd actually be considered like an old-timer, but I'm getting old, man. You know, I'm getting old. So if I have any wisdom for all you young ones, here it is. Here it is. You know, I, I'm telling you, I can sit there. And my wife could say to me, she could say, Travis, you shouldn't leave your muddy boots at the door when you come in the house. You might want to take them off before you get in the house. No, but, but you know, she could tell me that. If I'm spiritually right, I say, man, I shouldn't be leaving my boots, my muddy boots right there. If I'm not spiritually right, I just heard her call me a pig. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, she's telling me the same thing. You know, it's all in the mindset of how we are, where we are spiritually, man. You know, where we are, where we are connected and we're trusting our higher power, that's where, the, that's where the joy and the peace comes in. That's why I continue to do these steps. That's where I tapped in to freedom. It's not like I started doing this thing right. I gave up on trying to do it right and let God give me what I couldn't give myself. <clears throat> I, I, when I first moved here, um, we, uh, we didn't have, when Gay and I married, I've been married now for uh, 16 years to Gay, and uh, so we've got two kids together, and I have three adult kids, and one of them has been in this room a lot, and, uh, and he's doing great, and uh, by the grace of God. And, uh, you know, we... Um, we had a small little place, didn't have any kids when we first were together and first married. And then we bought another house when we had kids. Well, my TV used to be in a small room, but when we moved, I moved from California out here, we got, had a bigger house, 
And so I set up the TV and stuff, and I'm like, man, somewhere in that move, this TV got messed up. Because, you know, it's just blurry and all that. And so I went out and I bought one of those, you know, this was, you know, years ago. So it's like the new thin TV, HDMI and all that. Like I'm spending thousands. Well, I need surround sound now, you know. And I'm buying all this stuff. And at the same time, I just moved here and I was transferring jobs. I was, I was going to a new job. But my old job had uh, it had uh, eye insurance. And I thought, well, you know what? Before I leave that place, I've never been to an eye doctor ever. I'm just going to go and get my eyes checked. So I went and got my eyes checked, and they do all these little, man, they put your head in that thing, and you're doing this, and you're reading all these letters, and, you know, and, and to many people, it's such an obvious thing, but I'm like, wow, man, what's going on, you know? And it's all so new to me. It's like, what are you doing? And, um, you know, and I'm going through this thing. And they start putting these lenses in, and they said, how's that look? I said, wow, that looks great. And they said, okay, we're set. And I said, well, what, what do you mean? What are you, you going to do with my eyes? And they said, well, we got your glasses all figured out. I said, well, what do you mean? You mean like I'm going to be able to see like what I just saw in that, in, in that scope? They said, yeah, those are the lenses you need. I'm like, what? You, really? So those, glasses, <laughs> yeah, so those glasses came. And I put them on, and I'm like, whoa. This is amazing. Now, here's the thing. Had I just gotten my eyes checked, I would have saved thousands of dollars on new technology. <laughs> See, nothing, nothing changed. What changed was I changed how I saw things. I had to change. My eyes saw differently while I was trying to fix everything out here. You see, I got used to being, seeing blurry. I was so used to seeing blurry, when I saw good, I didn't believe that's really how I was supposed to see. That's how your recovery is for a lot of you in here right now. You have no idea how well God wants you to see. You have no idea what you've got coming to see. Because like me, and I'll talk about myself. Sorry. When I was like you, no. Um, no, but like me, now I'm just teasing. When, for me, if if when I had no idea what this program would do for me. I had no idea because I got so used to living in my misery. I got so used to having eyes that couldn't see right that I was just okay with it. See, it was no longer about living better. It was how do I live with the way things are? That's just the way it was. But what I found is that God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. 
And I'll say it again. I honestly, I never thought life could get so horrible, and it did. But today, I never thought life could get so good. I just couldn't. I couldn't imagine my life. Do I have issues? Man, I do. You know, my wife has been struggling with cancer, you know. I mean, I've, my dad died. I mean, I had, I've had some horrible things happen. You know, I lost a job. I remember sitting there with the guy, and I said, man, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. He said, really? <laughs> he said, buddy, I've known you for a long time. He says, what do you mean this is the worst thing that ever happened to you? Didn't you get, go through a horrible divorce? Didn't you go to prison? Didn't you kill somebody? <laughs> How could this possibly be the worst thing? Because you see, I live in the moment, man. And whatever's going on right now, that's how I feel. And that's how, we, that's how we operate. I don't know how many times I've said that in my life. This is the worst thing that could have happened. It's like, really? <laughs> well, I'm telling you, without a doubt, although bad things happen, this is the best life I've ever, ever could imagine having. Sobriety is great. I'm never bored. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh my gosh, can you imagine not drinking? Oh man, I'm never bored. You know, I know how to get through struggles. They come, but I just get through them. I'm gonna read for you real quick and then I'll close. I just found this recently. And, uh, I wrote this on 10-198. I like to write poetry. I like to write. And um, so this was on my, this is right after, and I remember, this is right after I got my six-month chip. And it says, a child in a dark room, fearing for his life, surrounded by loneliness, and tears flow from his eyes. All he feels is pain, doing wrong is what he fights, yet he doesn't have a chance, for he knows not what is right. He is looking for an answer in all that he's around, for he doesn't want to suffer, and the bottle is what he found. The bottle was his joy, it gave his mind some peace, but he was a little boy, and he didn't know where it would lead. Man, and I'm telling you, this is where my heart was back then. I was only six months sober, man. My life, I was, I had no idea what God had for me. But I had no idea that my alcoholism was gonna lead to killing somebody and finding myself going to prison. So living fast, alone, and wild growing up into this world was this innocent little child in which alcohol would ruin. As he began to grow, the bottle was his friend. He no longer was a child. His manhood was in gin. But then one day something happened, and he hit what they called bottom. He prayed for God to help him, and God would send them to him. And he found a little church where they all would sit and chat, and they told him, hear the words, and keep on coming back. <laughs> so you know... This was written in six months when I got my six, the night I got my six month chip. 
21 years later, it's the same rule. Just keep on coming back. Mm -hmm. It gets better. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be here. Thank you.